Welcome to Midnight Conversations. I'm Anandami Karaja. And I am Stephen Banner. <laughs> I, was, I was choking on a peanut. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Bad solid. timing. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, very bad timing. I mean, we do this intro every time. <laughs> why, why eat the peanut? <laughs> why eat why? the peanut? I did the peanut <laughs> previously, and then there was a little bit um, okay. of residual peanut that got in the way. Yeah. All right. Cool. Very nice. <laughs> so, speaking of things getting in the way, uh, <laughs> what's, how have you been, Steve? You've been doing all right? Yeah, uh, relatively well. I mean, we're like a week and a bit into uh, the, the COVID lockdown. Second one mm-hmm. here in Sydney. Second or third, I forget now. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, things are, I guess, depressing relative to the rest of my life. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, have you have you developed any hobbies or or you know home home hobbies within the lockdown? I think making sourdough bread was a popular one, or mm. uh, crochet, or uh, you know picking up the guitar as you always do. Uh, any, any? I've 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 developed the hobby. I've picked up the hobby of thinking about hobbies that I could pick up. Mm. So okay, what's the top I three? Spend, top three hobbies. What are we time. What are we thinking? Uh, I was thinking of like making my own chili sauce. That was one. Oh, that's a, that's a very good COVID hobby. Yeah, yeah <laughs> very yeah. nice. Very I've got nice. A whole heap of yeah, chilies. Yeah. I don't know what to do with. Um, wood, wood, okay. woodworking, another common one. Oh man, um, that's big aspirations. Yeah. Yeah, or yeah. Um, crypto day trading. Ah, yeah. Okay, cool. So they got they got significantly <laughs> more and more difficult. As I mean, I don't know your knowledge of cryptocurrency. But <laughs> pretty you, poor. Hey? It's oh, pretty okay, poor. but. Yep. You've got four weeks. You've got four weeks. So at really least, good. so you could you can get really good. Yeah, you could be a billionaire. You could fund the podcast. Maybe <laughs> be be the silent investor we've always been hoping for. <laughs> Very good. Well, I'm I'm glad we're able to do this podcast. Take mm-hmm. your mind off uh, the pandemic for for a little bit. Uh, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. not the case. Actually, yes. for the topic of today's episode is about COVID, but more in relation to beliefs in COVID-19 conspiracy theories, which is the title of the paper, Compliance with the Preventative Measures and Trust in Government Medical Officials. Um, Before we dive into what this paper did and found, uh, Stephen, what are your anecdotal experiences of, you know, friends, family members, people around you in terms of, have you heard any conspiracy theories about COVID-19 and and, uh, how has this affected? Yeah, uh, I mean... uh... I woke up kind of angry this morning, <laughs> just like I had a little scroll of Facebook, which I should just never do in the morning because it, mm. it's, it starts mm. the day on a it starts the day on a sour note. I'm um, just yeah. reading like comments from from family members about how this it's all a, it's all a big scam, how the uh, Chinese government is trying to use this to control our minds, yada yada, and mm. um, I guess other anecdotal. Uh, related anecdotes are um i've heard of a lot of friends and and uh i might uh, dob in my own mother-in-law here being part of the like wechat community um are you familiar okay. with wechat vaguely is it uh remind me remind yeah, me yeah it's it's kind of this this like incredible network of i think every person associated with china it seems to be yeah. um where yeah. just kind of like all news and information appears to come through it um, I'm right. on it, but I never use it. Um, mm-hmm. And there's just so much misinformation on that. Um, so, like, I have kind of my mother-in-law telling me of all these uh, interesting remedies to COVID, yeah. um, and some of which are actually listed in this paper. Are, are you familiar yeah. with any? Well, I, I think it's interesting first that, you know, a lot of these, the misinformation is 
propagated through, you know, social media. It's just, I mean, it's probably confounded by the fact of that's how we share information. But I think WhatsApp tried to, a while ago, uh, fix this to some extent by making a note. If you were forwarding something that was forwarded many times, it says this has been forwarded many times before, mm. all these sort of things. So, you know, because this is how sort of information that's incorrect can can spread very quickly. But I just want to make the point that, like, I'm definitely open to conspiracy theories, but I'm against believing in conspiracy theories to the exclusion of other more realistic narratives. Uh, and I think yeah. this is the, the, yeah, this is the difficult thing, right? When you're presented with information, how do you diagnose what is true and what is not true, regardless of whether you, it's believed by all to be a conspiracy theory or not. Because I think there's cases where conspiracy theories are thought to be conspiracy theories by many people, and they're proven to be true in some cases. And in many other cases, it's proven to be incorrect and invalidated. But I, I think, you know, sometimes well, what's interesting to me, I think when I think of conspiracy theories, the first thing from a medical perspective that comes to mind for me is vaccines cause autism, mm. right? That's a That can be thought of as a very clear uh, conspiracy theory that derived from a single publication that was proven time and time again to be incorrect, yet it's propagated the narrative and there's enough people who believe in it uh, who, you know, yeah, yeah well, perpetuate it. And so I think it's interesting when you have things that are clearly incorrect that are still spread widely. It makes me think about, so how are people choosing what to believe in and what not to believe in? What is their compass of diagnosing this information? I think that's where it's most mm. interesting to me when we discuss conspiracy theories. Yes, yeah. Well, I mean, we had like thousands of people marching through the city of Sydney against um, mm. public health orders recently, and, and many of them were espousing the anti-vaccine narrative, um, which goes to show just how quickly and widely these kinds of um, narratives can, can spread. And they are pot Definitely. potentially dangerous ones too, so... And it's also motivations, right? Because I think there are cer certain motivations as well behind it. Rather than just conspiracy theory, you know, people are, you know, uh, experiencing really significant financial hardship. They're losing a lot of freedoms as well when you're at stay-at-home orders. You know, you and I, Stephen, we're, we're lucky enough to be in, like, you know, relatively nice houses. We have space to move around. Yeah. But there's um, – I know many people who have a number of kids, more than one kid, and they're in an apartment um, and just thinking about how – you know, tight that is and children who are active and need to move out and move around, it, it can be very difficult. And then people who, you know, don't even have a place to stay, there's, there's loads of levels to it. And I think all of these frustrations boiled around perhaps a conspiracy theory, perhaps something else to, to yeah. Yeah, engage in that. Very, very well yeah. said, very well said. And, mm. you know, obviously, mm. like, individual freedoms are important, but um, at the same time, we shouldn't stray too far into that. And uh, <laughs> head into yeah. the paper a little bit. Um, yeah, right. That's right. So what... It's it's basically they ran a couple of different questionnaires um, with a group of people from Croatia, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they chose Croatia specifically, um, but they basically asked them a range of questions. Firstly, to gain their um, propensity to believe in science, uh, pseudo scientific information originally. Yep. Um, so they asked them to uh, rate their agreement to uh, agreement that the following products can prevent or cure the coronavirus infection. And they listed mm. alcohol, garlic, high doses of vitamin C, colloidal silver. Do you know what that is? I don't, no. Yeah. i got to get on top of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, get on it, man. It's, it's a, yeah, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> I would rate that a five on the scale of one to five, which is what they right. used here. Um, yep, and hot yep, beverages yep. was the other one. Uh, and yep. then trust in government officials. Do you want to <laughs> read that? Or you... 
No, no, you take, take it, away. it away. You go, yeah. you go for it. Yeah. Um, so then they asked them, like, do you agree with the following statements? And the statements were, mm. I trust the National Civil Protection Headquarters, and I think they are doing a good job. Um, mm-hmm. Members of the National Civil Protection Headquarters are experts in their field. And there's a couple of other listed. But again, they were asked to, like, rate their agreement to these statements on one, uh, from one to five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the final bit was they asked them to rate their agreement to... Or, or whether whether they are complying with um, certain behaviors and these behaviors being I keep physical distance of at least two meters in enclosed spaces. Um, I avoid crowded places. I avoid meeting with my friends, basically gauging, um, you know, whether, whether they, are, they are actually complying with the, the health orders issued from the government. Yeah. And what did they yeah. find? Well, uh, I mean, many things, but uh, first, you know, they feel like the findings that they have are sort of replicative of previous studies, but they, you know, ex- extend to the COVID-19 pandemic. So it's nothing crazy new in the context of the research regarding conspiracy theories, but interesting in, in fact of the relevance and timeliness of it. Um, but what they found was a, a direct negative effect of conspiracy belief uh, on adherence to official guidance, right? So, um I think essentially what that means is people who have a higher belief in conspiracy theories are less likely to adhere to official guidance. Um, So guidelines including, you know, distancing or stay-at-home orders, all sorts of things. Um, And then they, uh, I mean, that was pretty much the main Mm. finding. Uh, COVID-19-related conspiracy beliefs lowered levels of uh, compliance with official preventative measures directly and indirectly uh, and lowered trust in government information. I mean, there's so many layers to this regarding like how you get a population to trust, have trust and faith in government officials, especially when things are, you know, moving so fast paced and governments are notorious for not really uh, keeping up with the pace that decisions have to be made. I think an easy example is like, what was it in terms of Uber and the whole taxi industry? I feel like the government wasn't on top of like that and there were no regulations in place for how those things were happening. And so it was sort of a self-regulated field for a while until the government caught up. So there were, there are lots of ways in which the government is just slow, inherent by its structure, right? And so that's a problematic when you have slow responses from governments, but then really fast responses from social media where you get information first, right? And this is why news organizations were like, it was really important to be first to a lot of news organizations, still is, because, you know, that's the first information that's read. And no one, there's been loads of studies regarding how many, especially in scientific literature, Mm. when someone publishes a paper and if it gets retracted, how many people know that that paper is retracted, like taken down, or those findings were false or based on, you know, the follow-up of it being retracted? And so it's it's pretty poor. So it's it's interesting when we think about how do we get trust and the true information out to the public when we don't know what the true answer is as, as it's a developing situation. Mm-hmm. But um, what, what were your thoughts on the findings? Oh, I mean, fa- fairly unsurprising. Um, mm. I guess I'm just, I'm just wondering, like, are there... Is there some indicator that a person has a predisposition to kind of going against, um, I mean, what would be perceived as like mainstream narrative? Is, is there anything that you're aware of, like inside the brains yeah. of people that might make them want to go against I mean, the grain? For, or? I, th- I, th- I think in, in part, I'm not sure neurologically what's going on, but I think in part it's you're more likely to feed into this conspiracy theory thinking because uh, of, you know, the ability for 
social media or even the internet to feed you information that keeps you on the platform that is of interest to you, right? So I think that allows you to be less likely to see information from other perspectives or points of view, which reinforces your thoughts and beliefs and then can lead down to extreme cases of some sort of, you know, conspiracy theory. Um, but, I, you know, I think I, there's some... I think some filter on Twitter or or some study that um, someone did on Twitter, which maybe we should look into, mm-hmm. it was looking at how you can, it was a network analysis and you can, it actually looks at all the uh, followers you have or people you follow in Twitter and it shows you how they sort of cluster together um, on, a, on a network level. And you can see, oh, actually, it seems like I'm clustering and following people from this, so may, uh, this sort of genre or, or area, so maybe I should follow people outside and opposite areas. And it was really, really interesting. And I, a friend of mine said he looked into it and he, he just told me his observations from his own followers and he realized that he was slowly falling into that um path and and there was a recent i think abc four corners thing where they were talking about how um people who suffer from eating disorders were using tiktok mm. and they were also finding that as they were watching the the time spent on a tiktok video that's data right if you're spending more time on one video versus the other they'll send you more videos of another type so so all of this i think it, it sort of pushes you towards a singular line of thinking. And that's where I think scientific thinking is so valuable because you just have this sort of framework for evaluating evidence, which is really, really cool. Um, that's, yeah. yeah, that's very... I did read that article on ABC about um, TikTok mm. and eating disorders, but it goes to show like a person's kind of inclination to to use social media more um, may well be an indicator that that person is going to subscribe to to different beliefs or actually just be more assured in what they think potentially Mm. um well yeah i think i think the belief in a conspiracy theory by nature means that you know there i think typically it's that idea that you're not really considering other points Mm. of view or other perspectives because uh or even if you are there's this blind you know it's very difficult to convince someone who's already so heavily convinced of a perspective or point yeah. of view. I, the government even is tries their best to combat these things. I think they have a website where they um, do, you know, frequently asked questions. They say, well, you know, someone says this about the COVID vaccine. What's the response? And then they have all these answers that they've written in and included. So, mm-hmm. and, you know, early on, they tried to say, you know, look at um, reliable resources of information, trust the World Health Organization. But then every every organization is fallible, right? They're They're, they're likely to make mistakes and then, but just the fact that they make mistakes some of the time isn't proof that they are poor resources of information. It doesn't help when the government tries to defend itself because these people are like, the government's trying to control my mind. And then the government's like, yeah. we're not trying to control your mind. And then they're like, that's exactly what I think. <laughs> like, I'd expect yeah, you to yeah. say government. Um, yeah. And, and, and this this is where I think is is the biggest issue where it's it, it comes back to that theme of trust in the government, right? Like who has when do you trust a government? You trust a government when I think you trust a government or any organization when you believe they have, they know you and they have your interests at heart. And I don't think people feel that. They feel there's always ulterior motives mm-hmm. because there are ulterior motives, you know, um, where governments are lobbying for power and position and, you know, thinking about the next election cycle, how thing because that's, you know, jobs and just perpetuates that way. So it's, there's truth. It's it's not one side is true versus the other. It's just, yeah, part of that makes it very difficult. But I, I think overall, when we look at how Australia's handled the COVID p- 
pandemic, there's been you know clear positives. And I wonder why that is the case. In part, is it because we're lucky? Is it that we're an isolated nation? And so we're less likely to have these exposures to, you know, if we can if we can control our country, we're generally very well off, whereas other countries don't have that luxury. Or is it that, you know, parts of Australia are very happy or trust the government very well? I don't know, but it'd be really interesting given that these findings are in Croatia. Do they extend to uh, Australia? I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, uh, the reason why I think they uh, looked at people who live in Croatia is because I think from the author's names, they're all Croatian. So it's probably oh, well, the example I guess they that, that makes sense. Proximity. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, Miklusik, I think, is definitely, <laughs> it has a lot of symbols f- on top of those letters. I feel so like I'm you're just sure. assuming ethnicity there. That's, that's, I mean, I think these are that's fake, anti-social, anti-social behavior. Social <laughs> <laughs> behavior. Um, so, Stephen, I mean, hmm. what is, I think, an important question to ask from all of this sure. is what is your compass what is your framework that you use to evaluate information that comes by you is it oh. are there things that lead you to have more trusting beliefs like if i was to say something to you or a parent or you know are you more likely to believe that or or yeah what do you use as your evidence that's uh that's a great question <laughs> mm. um i don't know i i start i always start on the assumption that um i have like no idea you know, like I'm, yeah. I'm not right about anything is the leading assumption. Um, mm. And then I will kind of just uh, assess the the validity or the legitimacy of the information based firstly, I guess, mm. on the, the source of the information, how informed, how researched is the person offering the, the statistics or advice or info, whatever. Um, mm. And then I guess a little bit of common sense. Or I, I guess what I'm doing is like putting together all the other information around the topic that I have and I'm trying to evaluate whether it's uh, consistent with what I already know. Um, yeah, interesting. But then I guess that's what everyone does and that, that can be dangerous as well because if, you, uh, if you're already of a particular belief then and you're assessing information against your beliefs then you okay, anyway. Um, this is why I spent a lot of time just sort of banging my head against the wall with a yeah, yeah, it's it's it, 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 it's difficult. It's difficult. No, I I, I agree with you. It, it, you know, it's one of those things. E- even so, so I feel I've benefited greatly by my background in science uh, unwittingly. You know, my doing a PhD has allowed me to develop my thinking skills and critical uh, analysis of evidence really presented to me. But the fact of the matter is. I don't have time to evaluate every single piece of evidence that comes mm. across my desk, right? So there has to be some sort of framework that allows me to make judgment calls. And, you know, in, in part, you have to rely on uh, resources and reliable sources of information. And that that's and then you have to judge whether they're reliable or not. And this is the diff- default that you have to unless you have the time to allocate, like I'd, I'd love to read into all stuff relating to vaccines and outcomes and all this sort of stuff, but I, I you know, don't have the time to evaluate that. Mm-hmm. So it means that I have to trust certain sites and, and that that's sort of the nature of it. So um, I, there's a great book that I'm listening to at the moment. It's called Calling Bullshit, um, The Art of Skepticism in a Data-Driven World uh, by Carl Bergstrom. Mm-hmm. And what I really like about it is it, talks through how you can, you know, sort of assess evidence in an easy to do way, in a way that doesn't require a heavy understanding of what's going on. Like a lot of people are 
thrown off. I think one of the points the book makes is in regards to numbers. Like if you say 72% of something, all automatically people are like, oh, okay, so well, 72%, what is that? Uh, I'm going to trust whatever this following statement is. But it's, you know, breaks down how you can easily detect whether someone is saying something that is worthy of, you know, uh, trusting or not. So I think that's a useful start. But I think it starts with like, I... It, it's it's a shame that my skills in critical analysis have only developed in university. Maybe it's relation to age and, you know, developing that is a difficult skill, so you have to develop at age. But I do think that it could be taught better in a younger age in schools and for reasons just, just like this, you know, if governments want people to have trust in them, if they're doing the right thing and they want people to trust them, they need people to be able to evaluate evidence and come to the conclusion, oh, the government is doing the right thing in this decision. Mm-hmm. And so... That needs to happen with education is my thought there. Yeah. yeah. But also, mm. it's kind of fun to just believe things. <laughs> Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like it so, is. Some, it sometimes is. you can hold a hold a certain belief and live your whole life um, based on that and find a meaning in that. And even if it turned out to be <laughs> a, a false yeah. reality, then at least you've lived a meaningful life. So. Do you know what? Yeah, and then, yeah, it brings you closer to other people as well. It's another form of connection. Like if we both believed that Earth was flat, uh, you know, it would connect us in, in commonality uh, and we would have discussions across this and reinforce one another's beliefs. And it feels good when people agree with what you're thinking about. So yeah. um, rather than someone saying the reasons why you're wrong and explaining that in lots of detail, that none of that's fun. Yeah. None of that's, you know, really enjoyable. So this is, you know, people by nature gravitate towards this. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's different. Yeah. It's, so long it's as you're not thing. like going out there and attacking people violently who hold different beliefs, you know what? Believe what you want and have some fun with it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's the takeaway message from this. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I, what would your takeaway message be? In all honesty, mm. when it comes to comes to this, when it comes to conspiracy beliefs, uh, particularly within COVID-19, um, what, what would you say are your takeaways? It's hard, it's hard to say because I, I want to say just like trust your government. That's what I want to say, um, mm. but I, I can't. Do you know what I mean? Like history yeah, shows yeah, us yeah. that that governments have lied to people. Um, yeah. If you've read Manufacturing Consent, for instance, like you, you know that government can't always be trusted. Um, mm. So, you know, try and digest as much information as you can in the time that you've yeah. got um, on the things yeah. that are important to you, I think is the best message yeah. here. Do you have yeah. a similar takeaway? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think slightly different, but similar in the sense of I, I, I think there is it's important, as I always say, to have a healthy skepticism of things, right? When, you know, trying to trust the government blindly is whilst comfortable and you'd hope that they do the right thing can usually when the population is healthily skeptical of the government, it forces them to be on their toes and it, you know, it, it makes for better outcomes in general. Mm-hmm. But I think... Um, yeah, it, it, it's very difficult to think about what this all means in the context of COVID. And, and I, I think transparency is really the key. I think if you want people to trust what you're doing, you have to show them step by step what's being done, how the decisions are being made. And I think there's a strong attempt by the government to do this. But at the end of the day, this needs to be done to as a base model so that people can say, oh, this is the decision being made. Here's the evidence that they're using. But as soon as people say, well, well, I don't know why they're making this decision. Oh, it's probably for this agenda or that agenda. As long as there's some sort of transparency in the mechanism. And we see this in science all the time. Like um, there's more of a movement towards 
when you're publishing papers to publish your data. And if you can't publish your data, publish your code or your analysis or how you're sort of, or a mock data set that has a similar um, skew or distribution of variables. And the reason for this is so that people trust what you're saying and trust your findings more. And that transparency is really, really important. So for me, transparency is key. Yeah. Uh, having all that data available to everyone uh, is the most important. I think it would be yeah, incredible if like a report was issued to the public um, with the reasons mm, for, yeah. for the decisions made. Yeah, um, yep. I think are so. Are you listening and to Gladys? I, Go on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, I think the, you know, politicians also have a responsibility to educate the public mm. too, right? Helping the public understand what's going on, not just telling people. Because people need autonomy. They need to be involved in the decision-making process where possible. And I think that just hasn't been done in part because it's such a rapidly evolving situation. Mm-hmm. But there needs to be, you know, an educated public that makes informed decisions. And it's sort of an, a utopian. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I, I, I think uh, that's, that's key. That's key for trust. Um, just like trust in relationships, trust in any, anything. I think you, you need those, you know, transparency and openness is, is key. Yeah. So. Yeah. This, this turned mm. into a therapy session yeah. with Edit and yeah. how to live a better I, life. <laughs> I think so. I think so. But in saying that, um, Stephen, uh, do you have your guitar? Are you inspired oh, to play us out? I with literally some forget cons- about this every single yeah. time. My hands are sweaty right now because they've been in my pocket. That's all right. Like, it's That's all 23 right. degrees here in Sydney. I think so. Oh, wow. Jeez. Yeah, right. Um, I don't have a plectrum and... This is a disaster. Every time it's like this, isn't it? It's it's just, it sort of is. It's it sort of with me like you, groaning about like how I'm, what I'm going to play. But then you bring it home strong. So, so take us out with a, with a trust-inspired uh, outro, Stephen. Here we go. Wow, very nice, very nice. Very nice country feel to that. That was very interesting. Um, Cool. Thank you very much, Stephen. Uh, And thank you, everyone. I hope you found this podcast interesting. Uh, And if you are, you know, in lockdown at the moment while you're listening to this, hope you're staying safe and sane and looking after yourself and uh, reaching out to loved ones, make sure they're safe and sane and looking after themselves. It's a difficult time for many people, but um, yeah, yeah, hopefully, hopefully things are you know, on the up and up as, as thing progresses, but let's hope you do well. You're doing okay, Stephen. We got these podcasts to keep you going. So a little bit of a break. Yep. Every week, so. I'm going to, yeah. can't wait to go off and cry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> See ya.